Welcome to The Deciding Point, our Crack Rackets weekly roundup of the biggest storylines happening from throughout the tennis world. As you can imagine, on this week's show, I'm going to recap the year's second Grand Slam, the 2021 French Open, delivering us the goods as tennis fans over the past two weeks in Paris. In fact, there was so much fantastic action for me to discuss. We're going to make today's show a two-parter. On this edition, I'm going to recap the men's singles draw and name a combination of five winners and losers. I have from the event. I'm going to do the same thing for the women's singles draw in a a subsequent show that all of you listeners can both hear on our Great Shot podcast feed, find on our YouTube channel as well. But again, those are the topics for this week's deciding point on this show. I'm going to recap the men's singles draw. On the other show, I'm going to talk women's singles. With that in mind, Westoff, roll those credits. Let's start today's show. Now, I have to discuss the performance of our men's singles champion, Novak Djokovic. Now, a 19-time slam champion comes back from two sets to love down to earn his second major title in Paris, five-set victory over Stefano Tsitsipas on Sunday. And for Novak Djokovic, what was so impressive is the gear he was able to find physically in sets three, four, and five in that final, particularly given the mountain he climbed in the semifinal. He becomes the only player in ATP Tour history to have defeated Rafael Nadal twice at Roland Garros, and there's no denying the level of tennis he played in that semifinal. That's a peak Novak Djokovic performance, particularly physically his ability to track down balls in the outer thirds of the court, his ability to turn defense in the off- into offense, his ability to be so aggressive with his footwork, find inside-out forehands, play his forehand to the lefty Nadal's forehand in the ad court. It was a vintage Novak Djokovic performance, and it was clear that performance took a lot out of him heading into Sunday's final. He mentioned it in his post-match press conference. He didn't practice on Saturday. A, because he's Novak freaking Djokovic. He knows what it's going to take in a major final. But B, because physically he was drained, and he was the night match as well. And we'll talk about the French Tennis Federation, their scheduling woes later on in this show. But for Novak Djokovic, for him to find the gear he did in sets 3, 4, and 5, there was no doubt, particularly when he broke early in set 5 for that 3-1 lead, that he was going to come through in the end and win his 19th major, and that's what he does. And of course, now there are a lot of different things in play for Novak, who's 50-8. and eight since the tour resumed in August. And you think, well, okay, one of those eight losses is his loss to Carreno Busta at the U.S. Open, where, of course, he struck a line judge in the throat. He doesn't lose that. There's the obvious A, where very likely he has 20 majors. Very likely at that point, he'd have won four consecutive majors. Now, it would have been Australia, U.S. Well, I guess he would have won four out of five, Australia, U.S., uh, then Australia, French Open now here. But the big thing in play He's got a legitimate shot at the Golden Slam. In fact, he's probably the favorite to do so now. I ran a Twitter poll, which, of course, not the most reliable sample size, but a pretty good sample size. We have over 330 voters. As of right now, 44% of you think, yes, Novak Djokovic has a shot at the Golden Slam this year. 56% of you think, no, he does not. I mean, let's just play a little calculus here. You look for him heading into Wimbledon, where he's won the past two events, played 20 
2018, 2019, his biggest threat has traditionally been Roger Federer, who we saw make the fourth round before withdrawing before his Berrettini match. But do we really think Roger Federer can do it for two weeks consecutively, seven matches, even on a grass court, particularly with the level physically Novak still seems to be able to hit? I don't know about that. Do we think one of the next Jenners is ready? Certainly, Tsitsipas was up two sets to love today, and he had his chances in those third sets. In that fifth set in particular, it felt like towards the end of the match when he was able to hold 4-4-5, maybe the tides would begin to turn, and when he was able to hold in that opening service game after facing break points, it was like, oh, is this a little bit of a repeat of the Zverev performance where it's going to take so much for Djokovic to come back that he'll run out of gas in the tank in the fifth set? And the answer to all of those questions were, no. And, you know, again, does Medvedev's game feel particularly effective on a grass court? Absolutely it does. Is Tsitsipas' attacking style going to be effective? Absolutely. Berrettini on grass? That feels like a nightmare. And even a guy like a Zverev or a Rublev or a Shapovalov, all of those guys, Sinner, play big attacking games. Uh, And they're going to put Djokovic under pressure wherever they end up in the draw. Even a guy like Riley Opelka, he serves well on the right day. Who knows what can happen But I know this, Novak Djokovic is going to be locked in physically, and again, he's one of six players who's in the top 15 in both hold percentage and break percentage. You look at his numbers right now, his hold percentage is actually 0.4% higher in the 2021 season than it is in his career. His break percentage up 3% this season at 36% for his career. He's 32.2, so actually 3.8%. He's 34 years old, and we're seeing close to, if not the... It's not the peak of Novak Djokovic, because we don't see that match-in, match-out, week-in, week-out. But he can still hit that peak. He can still hit that top gear. And to do that at age 34, again, I've mentioned the fact that I think he's got a chance to win the Golden Slam this year, because he's the favorite going into Wimbledon. I actually think the U.S. Open, just given how many of these young players, a Rublev there in particular, a Sinner, you even throw, again, some of the younger guys in the mix who are better hardcore players or a healthy Dominic team at that point. There are a lot more threats at that U.S. Open, in my opinion, than Wimbledon, but Wimbledon would be number 20 for him in the total Grand Slam count, and like he is the favorite to end up as your winner in terms of the most majors in men's tennis uh, open-era singles history. I think he is the favorite as well to perhaps get to 24 before Serena. I think he is... We'll talk about the GOAT discussion a little bit later, but he is just the favorite, period. The rest of the season, a prohibitive number one in the world right now. And for him to follow up that win over Rafa, again, drop those first two sets, go into the bathroom, do whatever he did in that changeover, get a new towel or get new gear on and come out a completely new player. It worked for him. His stats got better and better as the match went on. Physically, he seemed to sink his teeth and become more disciplined as the match went on as well. And of course, a discipline locked in physically, no Novak Djokovic is still the best male player in the world. He gets the job done. Now 19-10 and 10 in Grand Slam finals. That's freaking ridiculous. 19 Grand Slam titles overall. French Open num- title number two for Novak Djokovic. While Novak Djokovic ultimately ended up in the winner's circle, I think when we look back at the 2021 French Open men's singles event, one of the unequivocal storylines will be that it was a step forward for the next-gen ATP cohort. Of course, most of these guys no longer in their early 20s, but that group of Daniil Medvedev, Stefano Tsitsipas, Alex Zverev, Matteo Berrettini even, unequivocally took a step forward at the year's second Grand Slam. You look for Stefano Tsitsipas now. He 
has the numbers of a player ascending into the prime of his career. You look now for him overall 55 and 18 quarterfinals in 12 of his past 18 events. He's won two titles in five finals. He's won his first Masters event. You want to go back to the end of 2019 when he won the year-end championship as well. He's going to move up to a new career-high ranking of number four starting on Monday. He is a guy who belongs in the top five discussion. Certainly, his numbers reflect that fact. You want to go specifically for 2021. Again, he's one of only seven players to rank in the top 15 in both hold percentage and break percentage. And those have been the seven guys who have mattered most this season. You look at that list, it's Djokovic, it's Nadal, it's Medvedev, it's Zverev, it's Rublev, it's Tsitsipas, and then, of course, it's the GOAT, Aslan Karatsev. But Stefano Tsitsipas, I mentioned the numbers all week, so I won't regale it again. Clay courts are where he has his most success because he has the opportunity to run around and hit forehands. And there's no denying the fact in that Grand Slam final, which I break down at length in the mini break podcast, he had the biggest weapon on the court in his forehand. And when he was able to find that shot successfully and repetitively, that's when he was able to have the most success in this match. When he was going cross-court forehands with Djokovic in sets one, set two, and able to run around that uh, serve when Djokovic had a low first serve percentage early on in the match and just crank out uh, first forehands as returns, he was in a winning position. He was on his front foot. His ability to move laterally at this point and hit an on-the-run forehand uh, elevated down the line to buy himself time. And sure, Djokovic was going to that backhand corner, but that was the only spot he could go. And Tsitsipas was so good at tracking that ball down, getting that ball back on Djokovic's body with depth, more importantly than pace. I think his first serve, again, continues to be a weapon. He's got the gumption to move forward in the biggest moments. He didn't, you know, yes, he blew two sets to love lead. Of course, that's the headline, but 3-5 down match points, doesn't stutter, doesn't falter, puts the own impetus and the pressure on Djokovic, asks the question of him to make him serve it out for 6-4 in the fifth. Now, of course, Djokovic answers the question, but again, for Tsitsipas, he beat Medvedev in the quarters. He beat uh, Zverev in the semifinals. He beat Carreno Busta, Isno, Martinez Portero, Chardy. This was a legitimate title run for Tsitsipas, and he was one set away. And in particular, we learned after the match, of course, and you have to mention it, uh, that he lost his grandmother about five minutes, ten minutes prior to the match beginning, and our hearts go out for Tsitsipas to the entire Tsitsipas family, of course. And you keep that thought in mind. You look at his performance again with that perspective becomes that much more impressive. Tsitsipas is here to stay. Again, before you win the all-time prime seasons, those Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, they win 80-85% of their matches. They win, you know, 7 of 15 or 16 tournaments are the best of the best. Djokovic wins like 12 and 15 tournaments, just the ridiculous seasons. They win the 76% first. They make a slam final. They make three consecutive slam semifinals or better, which is exactly what Stefano Tsitsipas uh, has done unequivocal step forward for him. I think it has to continue to be said for Alex Virov. Yes, I know he hasn't had any top 10 wins in his run to his, I believe, now four Grand Slam semifinals, but 
He's made four now, and he's made the fourth rounder further in six consecutive slams. And just physically, three out of five sets, he can answer every question. He's always going to be there in the end. And of course, he plays tentatively in the big moments. There's no denying that. But if that ever stops... Everything else is now there for him. The complete package is there physically, skill-wise. It's just a mental hurdle for him that he hasn't climbed yet uh, when he gets to that semifinal stage. But to stop him to be getting to that semifinal stage, you have to be a top-five player. Tsitsipas is. He stops him from getting to the final Huge step forward for Medvedev, obviously. I mean, three out of five sets, he's just a nightmare. I don't care what the surface is. And he clearly figured out something movement-wise and effectiveness of his first serve-wise on these clay courts. But he needs to find a weapon on the clay courts outside of his serve because Tsitsipas took it to him still. Those guys were the favorites in the bottom half of the draw. Three out of the four ended up making it into uh, that sem- uh, quarterfinal semi. They held seed, quarterfinal stage. Tsitsipas beats Medvedev. Zverev held seed to the semifinals. He gets knocked off by Tsitsipas as well. Obviously, a good tournament for a guy like Davidovich Fokina for the next next gen, which I'll talk about a little bit later in Sinner, Musetti, even Alcaraz. All of those guys, you think, step forward for them. Uh, but in general, I mean, you look at the numbers. Oh, Matteo Bertini. I mean, just look at the numbers overall for for this generation. Zverev, he's won 75% of his matches in the last 52 weeks. Berrettini, 78% of his, uh, excuse me, Medvedev, 78% of his matches. Berrettini's at 73. You look at a guy like Andre Rublev as well. He's at 77. They're winning week in, week out. They're making deep runs at the majors. They just have one hurdle left in front of them, and it's the hurdle that's knocked off three generations of players. Of course, that hurdles are, those hurdles are named Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic. But the next gen is coming, and I think this run at the French Open is indicative of the fact they held seat, and they didn't used to do that. They're doing that now. That's a scary prospect for everyone on tour not named Nadal and Djokovic. Next up, I think we have to talk about one of the losers from this event, and it's pretty clear the French Tennis Federation comes out of this event as a loser. You just look at the various missteps, the scheduling issues from start to finish in this event, the fact that they were playing night matches that could have been avoided, that could have had fans, particularly round of 16, early quarterfinals, you start those matches a little bit earlier, and I get why they did it, because they wanted the American television audience, and as an American, I certainly appreciate that, but you know what I appreciate? appreciate it even more, the opportunity to have fans in the crowd. And there's no question the uh, the opportunity to keep Rafa and Djokovic uh, fans in the stands during that semifinal match. That was a blessing to end the home stretch of the event that, quite frankly, as tennis fans, given what all we've gone through these last 15 months, we deserved. But just countless scheduling errors, the fact that, you know, uh, you look even as early as the first round, the fact that uh, Carla Suarez Navarro wasn't playing in front of fans. That was probably her last French Open match. That's ridiculous. And just various missteps like that along the way. Of course, the obvious one, the treatment of Naomi Osaka to start the event, just the mishandling from start to finish of that versus the way they handled the Federer withdrawal. I mean, obviously, they learned their lesson from the first one, but it's just unexcusable. And again, to coordinate with the other Grand Slams, to gang up on her when she was at her most vulnerable. We litigated all of this early last week, but it's just worth repeating. It was unacceptable. And I know they're trying their best. And I know we're holding these events amidst a pandemic, but these are the premier organizations. There's a reason you are granted a Grand Slam, and you are supposed to be better than this. And they weren't better than this. At any point of the event, the, the problems kept persisting. You know, even little things like Hawkeye and 
Uh, you know, the fact that those debates keep continuing, the French Tennis Federation just doesn't come out and say, look, the technology's not good enough. And I know they'll say, well, we have said that. We'll say it every day. Tweet it out at the start of every day. Just say, hey, a reminder to everyone, Hawkeye technology is not yet applicable on clay courts. I know it because I've been told it a million times. Spread that message. Perhaps it will become more synonymous with just the fact uh, or with the surface and we won't question those line calls moving forward but just again the the various stops and matches to ensure fans had to leave the stadium just all of these little things the various the lack of accommodations you read some of the stories about how doubles players were treated in the slicing of their prize money unexpectedly in the slicing of their resources at the event their inability to find practice courts it's just a nightmare. It's unacceptable if you are running one of the four premier events uh, on the tennis calendar. Now, again, the tennis delivered, and that's a credit to Djokovic Nadal playing a classic semifinal match. It's a credit to Tsitsipas uh, and Djokovic in that final five sets as well. I think I said Tsitsipas and Nadal. I meant Djokovic and Nadal in the semifinals. Even Tsitsipas Zverev going five sets. Of course, all of the drama on the women's side. Sviantek getting knocked out by Sakari. The three-setter played uh, between Sakari and Krejcikova. All of the fantastic tennis on the women's side as well. Krejcikova joining Mary Pierce uh, or becoming the first player since Mary Pierce in 2000 to win both the women's singles and women's doubles event in the same tournament. There was a lot of fantastic action at this French Open. That doesn't mean the event was run well. And just moving forward, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the French Tennis Federation because there's a lot of angry players, and it just adds to the continuing lingering anger festering amongst, in particular, ATP Tour players who happen to be the grouchier of the bunch. But you know, again, you hear it from the doubles players as well. And if you piss off three quarters of the field, now you've got yourself a problem, and it's just something to keep an eye on, certainly. So you have to say, amongst the losers in this event, French Tennis Federation is one of them. Just a fun topic for all of you listeners when looking back at this 2021 French Open. I don't think it was just an inflection point for the traditional next-gen ATP cohort, the Medvedev, Zverev, Tsitsipas group of players. I think this is our first glimpse at the next next-gen as well and what they're capable of. And the thought exercise I want to present to all of you listeners, all of you viewers today, which generation are you taking in the long-term slam count? If I offer you, we'll say their best five in each group in the next next-gen category, that's Medvedev, that's Zverev, that's Tsitsipas, that's Rublev, will make Berrettini the fifth man there versus the next next-gen group. And it's tough because Shapovalov doesn't really have a home in either of these two cohorts, neither does Demonauer. But if I give you Sinner, Musetti, Alcaraz, FAA, and Corda. Again, that's your five next next-gen. Sinner, FAA, Alcaraz, Musetti, and Corda taking on Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev, Rublev, and Berrettini. It's an interesting count. Now, I, being a 1995-er, and this is the group I've covered closest throughout my time here at Crack Rackets, I still lean towards that next-gen group. In particular, who is closer to being ready right now? The answer is unequivocally the next-geners. We've seen Alex Zverev make a slam final. We've seen Daniil Medvedev make a slam final. We've seen Stefano Tsitsipas make a slam final. We've seen Berrettini, Rublev, maybe not Rublev, but we've seen... Did Rublev make a semifinal at the U.S. Open? I don't think so. We've seen Berrettini in a semifinal. We've seen Rublev... 
in quarterfinals. We've seen all of those guys linger around that round. You know, Sinner made the quarterfinals of last year's French Open, and it's clear he's got the talent. He's got the explosion. He's the leader of that next, next-gen group. And when I was talking to Ben Rothenberg on his no challenges remaining, he said, give me Sinner and I'll take anyone else against everyone else. And that's a fair wager to make now. Certainly, you see the creativity, the movement of Musetti, who's won 70% of his matches across the Challenger and ATP level since the tour resumed in August. He's a guy with a lot of talent, former world junior number one. Now the backswing's definitely a little bit big, and the quicker the surface, it's going to be interesting to see how his game reacts. But certainly he's got the athleticism and the creativity. So I don't think he's going anywhere on the other surfaces. Ditto with Carlos Alcaraz. He set, you know, he and FAA have set all of the challenger records, or there's a short list of players. It's always Djokovic, Nadal, Del Potro, Richard Gasquet, FAA and Carlos Alcaraz are the guys who are always paired together in the challenger record books. That's how good Alcaraz was on the clay court challengers to end last season, or I should say throughout them. Now, again, we haven't seen him play many hard courts, but that forehand is going to rip through any court. And his movement, again, his ability to find forehands, I think that's going to translate across surface. I think he's got a serve that's going to hang up. The second serve will hang up, but he's 18 years old. That serve's always going to get better physically. He'll continue to develop his creativity on that backhand side. I think it's not just a placeholder. I also think he can hit through the court off that wing as well. Korda, physically, your modern player by every definition, 6'5", fluid, huge weapons, has that edge to him as well. You know, FA is now 0-8 in finals, but certainly, again, he set every record alongside of Alcaraz and Sinner, and then, you know, again, that... That next next gen group is really really good. Um, there's a lot of talent amongst that group, but I, I probably lean still. I mean, Zverev can do it across surfaces, Medvedev across surfaces, Tsitsipas across surfaces, Rublev we still don't really know about grass. Berrettini certainly across surfaces, and those guys have huge weapons. I'd say Sinner and Korda have got the big weapons. Still trying to figure out the rest of that next next gen group's game, but. I mean, those are your 10 guys who are going to matter this decade. I think you can put them on a list, and you'll be like, those are the 10. And there will be other guys who hover around that list. But I think that's your pretty comprehensive list of the 10 that will matter. And again, the question I pose to all of you, who wins more slams? At me, at Great Shot Pod. The next next gen or the next gen cohort? Next next gen being Alcaraz, Sinner, Musetti, F.A., and Korda. The next gen, of course, Medvedev, Zverev, Tsitsipas, Rublev, and Berrettini. I'll take the next gen. Some of you may say otherwise. Either way, we look back at the 2021 French Open for both of those groups unequivocally a step forward. Thus, they are winners throughout this event. One final loser from the 2021 French Open that, to be honest, if you spend enough time in the tennis Twitter circles that I do, you might be happy to put to rest is the GOAT debate that I think we can put to the side at least until the end of this 2021 season, as it's pretty clear Novak Djokovic is now in the pole position to be in command of that debate. Now, of course, Roger Federer has still played in more Grand Slam finals at 31. He's won more titles at 20, but... I think we all would agree Novak Djokovic is the prohibitive favorite to, at a minimum, tie their record this season, if not 
surpass them by the end of 2021. And you look if he's able to get that record, 21 Grand Slam titles, which is in play. That would mean he won a Golden Slam this season. That's something neither Federer nor Nadal has been able to do. There's an Olympics on the board this year. He wins that. He gets the gold medal, completes the career Golden Slam, whatever it's called, that only Nadal and Agassi have completed. And, you know, obviously he joined Emerson and Laver as the only three men to have won each Grand Slam two times. And, you know, he'd all, be doing all of that at the age of 34. He'll have extended his record weeks at as world number one at that point to a very comfortable margin. Next, you know, he'll be hovering around the Roger Federer total titles number and just... Every record is his at this point. It's easier to list the things he doesn't have over his two rivals. He's got the winning head-to-head numbers as well. He's beaten Nadal at the French Open. He's beaten Roger at Wimbledon. He's been dominant on the hard courts. Like, with all due respect, what's the argument for the other two players at this point? You want to say, well, Roger's prime came before the other two. I acknowledge that. I also acknowledge that Djokovic is now going to pass him and have a longer sustained prime and just do things that even Roger Federer couldn't do. And it's just, if if Djokovic's prime is better than Roger Federer's, it's not Djokovic's fault that it came after Federer's. And I agree, Federer has certainly pushed Djokovic throughout the years, as has Nadal. But Djokovic is just on another planet. His best physically is better than any men's tennis player we've ever seen in the history of men's tennis. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. And I just think for now, we put the debate to side. We enjoy the ending stages of Roger Federer. If he's able to sneak out another slam or sneak out an Olympic medal at this age, then the conversation reopens. If Nadal bounces back, wins a Wimbledon, or Nadal bounces back, beats a Djokovic at the US Open or Australian Open next year, then we reopen the conversation. But until then, Djokovic has reasserted himself in the pole position, and I think this conversation is good to go for a little bit. Now, do I acknowledge Rafa and Federer have been incredible? They're on another plane than anyone else. Absolutely. I'm not trying to diminish what they have accomplished. I'm simply saying Djokovic is on a, he's in a world of his own, mentally, physically, spiritually, all the different things. He just lives in another plane of existence, and that manifests itself on the tennis court. With the way he hits balls out of the outer thirds, the way he goes to Roland Garros, knocks off Rafa in an incredible four-set performance, and earns himself his 19th uh, uh, Grand Slam title, second French Open title. Now again, I'm ready. I'm not saying the debate is over. I'm saying it's time to put it to the side for now. And I hate to say it, but we're putting it on the side because for now, Novak Djokovic has earned himself a comfortable lead.